If you don't think there's hope for the world, why bother going on? You haven't seen the world, so you don't know. You keep going for family. I'm not family. No. Your cargo. Why are you so important? Somewhere out west. They're working on a cure. I think what really impressed them was the fact that I didn't turn into a monster. If she so much as twitches. <laughs> don't. Say what I say. Got any advice on the best way west? Yeah, go east. You've come this far, then you know what's out there. You're not gonna scare us. Scared him? than any of us could have ever imagined. Be careful who you put your faith in. You might not be her father. She was someone's. You trust me? Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by... Amir Ture. And Eric Wong. This week, we are talking about HBO's highly anticipated adaptation of the hit video game, The Last of Us. The show is created and written by Craig Mazin, who had previously run HBO's Chernobyl, and Neil Druckmann, who is one of the heads of video game developer Naughty Dog, which produced The Last of Us game, along with the Uncharted series. He also served as the game's creative director and head writer. The series stars Pedro Pascal as Joel, Bella Ramsey as Ellie, Gabriel Luna as Tommy, and Anna Torva as Tess. So if I'm getting it right, I think we're going to have a pretty simple dynamic among us for this episode. Amir and I are Last of Us neophytes, having never played the games, while Mm -hmm. Derek is a fan and has extensively played both. Is that right? I actually didn't play the original game when it was on the PS3, but I did play the remastered version when it dropped on the PS4. Of course, I had to pick up the remake on the PS5 because I have a PS5, but I've been playing that. Oh my god. (laughs) And I also did play the 2020 The Last of Us Part 2. So yes, I played all of this and loved it. I loved every second of it. So how many Last of Us tattoos do you have? (laughs) (laughs) None yet, I guess. (laughs) Maybe if the show goes well. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe it's just the I heart and Torv uh, <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> so I'll correct you a little bit, Jeff. I'm a neophyte to the games, but I follow like gaming news stuff, and I didn't ever think I was going to play these games. So I'm not completely unspoiled on what goes on. Same. I'm not unspoiled okay. either. Okay. So okay. I actually 
played through the intro. Oh, really? Not having played the game is kind of misleading. I have played a little bit of the game when it first came out in 2013, but nothing since then. Just the intro. Wait, why didn't you finish? Like, why didn't you go further? Yeah. It was like the demo at Best Buy or some shit. I was like there for like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, so (laughs) that's where I played it. But yeah, this is getting like the big HBO treatment. Uncharted fans fucking fuming that they got... (laughs) Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg, and yeah. here they get uh, Pedro Pascal as Joel and uh, Bella Ramsey as Ellie. Uncharted fans, BTFO. <laughs> <laughs> I guess before we dive into this, I mean, now that we have an understanding of where we are in our knowledge of this property, I did want to gauge, like, where were your guys' excitement of this series before you watched the premiere on Sunday? I'll be honest, not really much excitement for it. I know you were pumped for it. So mm-hmm. I was pumped for you, but I like, you. I really wasn't like <laughs> anticipating this. Uh, what about you, Jeff? Same. I'm more excited for Derek being excited <laughs> for this series. <laughs> I mean, I'm a little hyped on it. It's a big HBO production. I'm always excited about those. But I am very wary of video game adaptations, and I think for a very good reason. And it doesn't have anything to do with the track record of video game adaptations. Although that- oh, okay. I thought that was going to be a reason. All right. So then what's the reason? I mean, you want me to get into it right now? I can just talk about like my yeah, thoughts yeah, on yeah. video game adaptations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that first. So I think that will segue into my thoughts on the series, which I think align with my thoughts on video oh, game no. adaptations. <laughs> it's not entirely negative because I do like the show. I want to say that I do like the show. Mm-hmm. I just am a little cold on it. The reason is that I think video game adaptations, they tend to adapt the wrong things. Things that do not need adaptations get adaptations, and it always comes out worse. So if you think about recent video game adaptations and which ones are good and which ones are bad, what comes to mind? Something like Castlevania, you know, the anime on Netflix, which was pretty well received. What's Castlevania about? It's about a side-scrolling beat-em-up in a castle to kill Dracula. That's fucking it. What else is good? Arcane. Arcane was really good, which is also on Netflix. Mm -hmm. It's based on fucking a MOBA with zero plot, some dog shit lore that you can just make up whatever for, right? Mm -hmm. And then stuff like The Last of Us, I feel like doesn't need an adaptation because the story, it's so like cinematic already. Yeah. And you're playing through all this action and this immersive drama and journey for these two characters. And I think The Last of Us specifically, the zombie stuff, you're not exactly bringing anything new to the table. Like this post-apocalyptic world with this cordyceps zombie infection. I just feel like it's been done before. And what makes the game unique and like interesting is that it's a video game. Right. And you take that away from the story, putting yourself in the shoes of the characters and making decisions that have impact in the game. You're kind of just riding the rails on it. I feel like it takes something away from the experience, if you know what I mean. And that's why I'm a little cold on the series, too, because that's just what it feels like. I mean, granted, I've only seen one episode. I didn't get screeners for this or anything. So this might change. But there are a lot of things I admire about the show. I think the production value is fantastic. I think the actors and all the production design is like incredibly well detailed. And the creators obviously care about the show. They care about adapting it. But at this point, I feel like having played through the intro all those years ago, I don't really see anything more than, you know, 
Leo pointing meme. It's like, hey, that's from the game, you know? Mm -hmm. But I want to wait and see. I'm really curious to see where the show goes and whether they take more liberties with the story and like bring something new to the table. But anyway, those are my brief thoughts. What about you guys? So I have two kind of related thoughts to that. It makes me think of the Watchmen adaptation because Watchmen is famously a comic whose story can only really be told in the medium of comics. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we all really liked the Watchmen adaptation, but it was sort of almost wrongheaded from the start in that Watchmen is a comic book talking about comic books in a comic book format, and it definitely loses something when you try to change the entertainment medium you're viewing it in. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of speaks to your point about The Last of Us. There's something, I think extra special about a medium which embraces what it is and doesn't just want to be a movie. Mm-hmm. So it's cool when a game wants to be a game, when a comic wants to be a comic and embraces the strengths of its medium and does things that you can't do in another medium. You know, uh, maybe a game example would be like, I don't know, like the Metal Gear Solid games. Like they're very, I don't know, gamey games. They're not trying to be movies, even though they have this kind of cinematic plot. There's so many like game things in there. But yeah, those are the kind of the things I'm thinking about. Uh, what do you have to say to that, Derek? I mean, to kind of react to what Jeff said, and I've kind of heard similar arguments. One of the things great about video games is that you're controlling the character, right? You're actually that character for, mm-hmm. you know, the ever 20 hours you're playing this video game. And you're the one who's making those choices, making those decisions. You can never recapture that, right? It's almost impossible to kind of recapture that in a movie. And I think that leans to what you're saying, right? It's a video game for a reason. And mm-hmm. maybe a movie or a TV show can never recapture that. We never live up to that notion. But I guess my counter for that would be, especially like a series like this, I think the best parts of the game aren't necessarily playing the game in essence. Of course, I enjoy it. It's super fun. Like I love stealth-based games. I love over-the-shoulder kind of action games like this with like puzzles and horror. It's super fun to play. But I think why I love the last of us is because of how cinematic it is right like when we get to the actual cinematic scenes in the game that's what i'm playing for like i'm just playing to get to those moments again so that i can watch more of the story Mm. and for me this is just another way to get that story out right like yes of course someone could go watch twitch or something and watch a video of someone playing this video game and kind of get the same story out of it but i'm literally never going to do that and also millions of people are literally never going to do that yes so if this is another way to get what i think is like one of the best stories you know that i've seen like in the video game medium out to more and more people why not Mm. Now that we've got our thoughts, it's probably no surprise that I love this first episode. As a fan of the game, like there were so many things that like, yes, I was doing the Leo meme, like pointing like, oh shit, that's fucking awesome. That it, uh-huh. it looks exactly like the video game. But there are many ways that they slightly change the story or the characters. And I think for the better in certain moments, there's still one that I'm not totally convinced about. And I do have my reservations on certain things that I want to bring up. So... I think we should delve into this first episode a little bit. Yeah, you can talk to those points more than uh, we can. So So the way this episode opens, the way the show opens is very different than the way the game opens, right? This is a completely new scene. So like the actual show starts in 1968. We get this old ABC like televised talk between like a host and two scientists and It's nodding a little bit about what we've been through the last two years with the global pandemic, understanding what it means to have like a viral pandemic go through our world and the way it changed our lives. But then this scientist played by 
is it Josh Hammond or John? John Hanna. John Hanna, who brings up this idea of a fungal infestation instead of a virus or bacteria, it's more fungus. I don't know. Have you guys seen that clip of like you know the fungus taking over the ants or whatever? Have you? Yeah, guys I've seen, seen that. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, I think that's enough well known that people can relate to that, and it just takes it to the next level, right? Like, so what if that could happen to humans? and how we wouldn't be able to stop it and everything. I'm curious, Amir, do you have any opinions on like the science of that? It sounded kind of made up to me, but... <laughs> oh, So, like, the fungus is obviously a real thing. The cordyceps fungus, they do take over mm-hmm. insects. Obviously, as they say on the show, it doesn't affect people. It's actually used in, like, health supplements. But as far as, like, global warming causes the fungi to evolve so they can live in the human body or something. Yeah. I'm not a fungal <laughs> expert either. So like, you know, whatever. I'll let it slide for the purposes of the <laughs> show, right? It's not like the fucking seizure thing in Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I think the fungus thing was just pretty much the inspiration for the whole story, right? Because yeah, absolutely. I feel like the creators just saw the ants being taken over by the fungus and they're like, oh shit, what if that happened to humans? And like, let's make a video game out of it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what happened. But yeah, I dug this intro with the Me talk too. show. I thought it was really cool. Um, really ominous, and it segues into like the opening credits really well. I too also really, really enjoyed the opening. But then we kind of get into the first 30 minutes of the show where we are thrusted to 2003. So like I said, in the video game, this is originally 2013. And then the jump forward 20 years would have made it 2033. I think the creators of this show have talked about wanting to place this now, you know, so do the math. If they want the main part of the show to be taking place in 2023, of course, then they set the 20 years prior to 2003. So this opens very much like the game. I mean, you open up on Sarah, she wakes up. A lot of the same beats happen, kind of. She wakes up in the middle of night and her dad's not there. A lot of those same things happen, but what happens here is that originally what was played out in maybe like a 15-minute segment now becomes a 30-minute segment in the show. So they've actually extended how much we've gotten here, right? In the video game, there's no her visiting her neighbors. You don't actually go with her to school. You don't go with her to the watch store. I really love that we are getting to live in this world a little bit longer with Sarah and kind of seeing her day to day, but then also seeing the little hints that this shit's going to hit the fan really soon. It's kind of like a Shaun of the Dead type thing where a all this bit, yeah. shit is happening in the background and she doesn't yeah. really notice. I did really like the horror beat that they included with the neighbors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With like the grandma in the background just going, and yeah. like, she doesn't notice at all. Like the dog notices. So Sarah is actually played by Nico Parker. Who is uh, Tendiwe Newton's daughter. Yeah. My wife, Ashley, was like, she looks a lot like Tendiwe Newton. I was like, I'm going to look that up. I was like, oh, shit, that's her daughter. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, really great. striking resemblance, yeah. This is also a change. I mean, in the game, everyone is pretty much white, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, Ellie's white, Joel's white. Of course, the daughter's white. But, I mean, they've changed the ethnicity. Both Pedro and Tommy are of Latin X or Hispanic heritage. Sarah looks like she's a mix. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's really nice to see a racial swap of things when I don't think it really needed to hold so steady to, like, how white everyone was in this story. Like, it's a lot of white people in this. In the original <laughs> Sarah <game>. got zero <laughs> Pedro Pascal genes, by the way. <laughs> so, this isn't the change you were uncomfortable with, Derek. <laughs> no, I guess not. No. 
No, I was I was totally happy with it. It was totally fine. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the original. Can't speak to it as a change, but all of this kind of made sense. Yeah, he, she looks nothing like Pedro Pascal. Who knows? Mom Jean's very strong, adopted. Who knows? And I do like, like you say, the little details that we pick up throughout the episode, you know, like her classmate's hand twitching. We learned that spasms is a very early sign that you've been infected. So like her yeah, hand just up. like spasming. I like when she's at the watch store, the cops just blare by and then she's kicked out of the store really, really unceremoniously. And then as much as it's like a horror trope where you just don't go in the house, I did like the moment where she goes in and like she sees the grandma who's just munching on the neighbors. This is probably the biggest change maybe they've made from the game. I don't know if you guys know this, but like in the game, this infection is usually spread through spores, in the air spores. One of the mechanics of the game is that you playing Joel, who's not immune, you have to wear a gas mask when you're exposed to like areas that have spores. But the creative directors of this show have said, you know, they're not doing the spores. And then now it's going to be more of tendrils. That's kind of the way it spreads. So I really love that detail um, when the grandma's basically like spreading the infection through all those really nasty tendrils coming out of her mouth and they look like they're trying to like insert into the other body but then when she pulls away they, they're still latching onto the wound until like you know her mouth rejects I thought that was really cool that show was fucking gross man yeah yeah really cool effect and I like that they were just like alright this mechanic from the game would be dumb in a TV show because we can't have our actors faces covered in masks because yeah. we want to be able to see them and hear their voices so we're just straight up not doing that so, you know, good for them in, like, making the right call in shooting yeah. something. Sorry, but cut to Pedro Pascal in The Mandalorian, right? Like, you know what I mean? But if you want it to happen, it could. But I also do like the change, though. I think that's part of what was a weakness to The Mandalorian, to be honest. Like, I mean, I know mm-hmm. it was, like, done for a reason and it plays yeah. into this whole thing. But, like, I don't know. You want to see the face of the main actor. Especially if it's Pedro Pascal. Like, what yeah. the fuck? I think the main weakness of The Mandalorian is that it's not Andor, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said. Yes, I will agree with that one, too. But apparently people are big mad about the spores change. It's like, uh, how can you right. change the lore? And, like, well, if it's better for the TV show, you want to see the actors be able to emote, you know? Yeah. Um, I want to see Anatorv. I want to see Pedro Pascal. You know? Yeah. That's um, when you got to be like, get over it, nerds. All right. I understand why, if you're a fan of the original property, you'd be a little bit sensitive about any change, right? Because so many of the changes that are made when you are trying to adapt a one property to another medium are unnecessary and just like kind of prove that the adapters don't really understand what they're adapting. They don't understand mm-hmm. the spirit of the work or they don't understand how to make an adaptation. And so I get why people are kind of on a hair trigger and super sensitive. But I don't know. It seems like a pretty easy win, right? Yeah. Spores to tendrils is not one of those examples. (laughs) Tendrils are a little too close to like other zombie film stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Biting and tendrils are very – it's like, all right, we've done this from The Walking Dead. We've done this with a million other shows and movies in the past. It does make it a little more generic, but – I don't know, man. You can't have those masks, so you got to run with it, I think. I mean, I had the same thought you just said, Amir. Like, I was like, oh, it just now looks like they're just biting them like zombies. But that detail of the tendrils coming out of the mouth, it's fucking cool. I was never really mad about the spores thing, but I don't really care when you get really cool details like that. Mm-hmm. And then this is the point where, like, she gets chased out of the house and then comes our heroes, Joel and Uncle Tommy. And there's one, I think, specific detail we should talk about here because it then comes back later in this episode where she's chased by the grandma, which before could not hear and could not walk and could not even really eat. 
now because of this fungal infection, like I guess it cures all or it just doesn't care about those things. And she's like chasing after Sarah and Joe's there to save her and he kills this Nana with a, with a with wrench. A wrench right to the head. Okay, so I want to talk about this scene a little bit because I don't know how it is in the game, but it seems like on the series they're contrasting the characters of Sarah and Ellie a lot earlier where the two big acts of violence in this episode they have completely different reactions to is that the same as in the game or are they deepening the characters a little earlier in the series this is a definitely a difference in my eyes like the games never quite blatantly make it oh you're not sarah whenever like joel looks at ellie's like oh you're not sarah there's never a comparison between like ellie and sarah in the games more than mm. just she is like a daughter figure in a sense because Joel is taking care of her in the you know, majority of the game. So mm-hmm. beyond that, I think that's what this show is trying to add is this through line, this comparison, at least early on in this very first episode, at least between the Sarah character and the Ellie character. Yes, I think your read is correct on that. Right, because Sarah's like horrified that he kills <laughs> the grandma. Yes. But then later on when he kills the guard, Ellie's like fuck yeah, kill that guy. Or yeah. at least that's kind of like the direction that she's leading mm-hmm. with her facial expressions, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, you've got kids. You know kids are always different. And I think pre-apocalypse daughter and post-apocalypse daughter are going to have different, a slightly different for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah, because that's a big difference, right? Because Ellie's mm-hmm. born in this, right? Um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, And they even have a line later about the type of kids that get born in this situation versus the ones that lived before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think there's a big difference there. But so, and the next part is they're on the road. A lot of this scenery is like taken straight out of the game, right? Even the way the camera is positioned over the shoulder yes. of our two heroes in the front seat. And like, we're pretty much mm. in the perspective of like Sarah, right? A lot of the same lines and same beats happen. You know, they see the house burning. They see the family that Joel just tells them to leave. And then the big inciting incident happens when they actually get into town, right? They're trying to drive through this town and they get stuck and. And they have to fight for their lives outside of the truck, right? I kind of wish they did things differently from the video game visually. All right, cut into that here. We're going to go to Tweetland for a second. The Last of Us pilot is really good if you're measuring it by how silly it feels to watch a Russian art house cinematographer forced to recreate the exact compositions and camera movements of the opening cutscene of the game. Yeah. That's Josh Lewis. I already know yeah, that tweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got the director of Beanpole to direct this episode and then he dropped out due to creative differences right but the cinematographer stayed on and to have Cassinia Serrata who cinematographer for Beanpole do the show and just have them copy the video game seems kind of like a disservice to a little bit of a waste yeah mm-hmm. kind of a waste I don't know I would like to see something different I feel like this is specifically engineered for like those YouTube videos where it's like, oh, The Last of Us HBO, The Last of Us video game, yeah, like mm-hmm. side by mm-hmm. side. Let's compare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like driving by the burning house and then like the in the car POV shots. I don't know if the director of photography wants to do something different and like flex their skills. Like I want to see that, you know, I want to see something different than like what we've already seen in the video game, especially if yeah. you're getting like an accomplished DP like that. I mean, as a fan of the game, like I was again pointing at the screen and like enjoying it. <laughs> they got you, Derek. They got of course you. They got, it's gonna get me this whole season. You know, looking at it critically, like I think you guys are not wrong in your assessment. I do think it works better once we actually get into the town, right? When you're in the chaos of like 
swinging between the windshield and the, the rear window. I think it works better, that perspective being able to go back and forth. You know, we've seen it in a lot of movies and TV shows already, like that kind of in-car perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it is a little weird when you're just traveling and you're panning to the right and you see a house on fire and then you like pan to the left and there's like this family that they're leaving, you know, like it, that feels very much like a video game. Mm-hmm. But I think cinematically it works better once they actually get into like the action of the town, trying to avoid running people over and then you see the plane in the background. I think that all really worked for me. Mm. Yeah, none of it didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I just wonder, could we have gotten even more if they'd been let off the leash a little bit? Mm-hmm. But I understand that if in an adaptation, what people want to see is the thing that is adapted, right? So like, I can't complain too much. I thought it was actually really effective. I'm not like really that familiar with The Last of Us. It all worked for me, especially at the very beginning with Sarah, gave very 9-11 vibes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially like her being at school and not knowing the oncoming disaster. That's very like how I think we all went through 9-11. And then like- Well, I mean, you have to remember, this is 2003, right? This would be like- Yeah, two, it's two, two years, years after. after. Mm-hmm. Because like she has a line where it's like, oh, is it terrorist? You know, right. like yeah, that would yeah, be yeah. very much That's in someone's mindset during that year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, I can't complain too much. I liked what they did. There's not too much of a focus on the infected people. Like in this first one, it's not like out and out a zombie show. There's that initial sequence has a lot of it, but it really kind of shifts to just being this post-apocalyptic show. Mm-hmm. Yes. This first episode. In yes. the back hour of this hour and 20 minute long episode. Someone tweeted that, like, this is a show where 9-11 happened, but Beyonce never released Crazy in Love. <laughs> like completely different world. Unrecognizable. It's wild. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So, I mean, they, you know, of course, they have the accident. They get chased out of the car. And, I mean, there's this almost Dawn of the Dead style or, like, 28 Days Later style. Like, they're getting chased through this diner. This thing is just uh, nonstop coming at them like a train. I thought that was really effective. Like, I really liked the small amount of infected that we got in this. I thought that was really, really a nice touch. Give me fast zombies. I like my zombies fast, okay? That adds, like, the sense of danger and, I don't know, give me the rage virus shit from 28 Days Later. That's scary as shit. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. absolutely what I thought of when I was seeing those fast zombies. And this segment of 2003 ends very much like the video game. I guess you've played, Jeff, where they find themselves in the river or near the river. And they get confronted by a soldier who tells them to stop. And then he basically gets orders to shoot them. At this point, you don't know who's infected. He admits that Sarah's injured. He keeps saying that they're not infected. But, you know, he does say like, oh, my daughter's injured. So at this point, it's kind of like just shoot everybody that potentially be, I guess, infected. And they are shot at by the soldier. They go tumbling down. And right before the soldier is going to finish off Joel... Out comes Tommy out of nowhere, shoots him in the head, but it's too late. Sarah's been shot in the stomach. Both Joel and Tommy really can't do anything about it. This is the point where Sarah dies. What'd you guys think about this moment? I mean, I saw it coming, so. Yeah, I knew she was a goner because I know the show's about Ellie and she's clearly not Ellie. So I was like, all right, this guy's not going to have two fucking daughters. One of them's definitely got to go. So, <laughs> and it's the horror movie, so they killed the black daughter first. <laughs> Hmm, okay, Last of Us. I see you. I mean, I guess besides seeing it coming, I mean, like, did the scene work for you? I mean, like, yeah, I think. I thought it was reasonably effective. I wasn't like heartbroken or anything, but they do do enough with Sarah in the first 20 minutes of the show that, you know, you feel sad when she dies. They show her being nice to her neighbors and everything. Like, it's obviously going to have a huge effect on Joel going forward. Yeah, I mean, I really try to think about it as someone who's never played the games and, like, would be coming into this show 
completely blind because like even you guys know i think some of the beats and know what happens Mm -hmm. to know that sarah of course doesn't live past this point like i wonder if someone who has no idea what this show is about i mean i i feel like they were trying to set up sarah as the hero right as our like protagonist potentially Mm -hmm. someone we would follow throughout this whole series and like this would technically kind of be like a rug pull for them so would that work yeah good question yeah i mean i feel like it's kind of engineered as a fake out for people who've never Mm -hmm. played the games but also this goes into like my thing of who is this show really for i don't like making that argument a lot but like i mean if you've played the games i feel like a lot of the big moments i mean you'll like seeing it on the screen i'm sure if you're a big fan i know you do derek but I feel like some of that mystique and, like, the surprise factor is gone. If you've never played the games, are you even that interested in watching the show? Or, like, are you hyped up on the show Yeah. Um, based on a property that you've never even interacted with before? It's kind of odd. It's always like this with video game adaptations. Or just adaptations in general. Yeah, adaptations in general. Kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, though. It's like, oh, because yeah. video game adaptations aren't good people don't check for them and so they don't get an audience outside of the people who already played the original video game but Mm -hmm. like i don't know think about something like game of thrones it it took time to build its audience but it was still a hit from the beginning Mm -hmm. and watching that as a fan of psalmist and fire books like yeah i couldn't be surprised by sure when they stayed true to the canon but they did go off script in interesting ways and i still did really enjoy the process of watching that adaptation so I think there's a potential audience here. I think big budget HBO show with Pedro Pascal is always going to have a built-in audience, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and partially, like if you've seen Game of Thrones, of course, you would recognize Bella Ramsey and like she became a viral thing near the end of that show, right? With her, Laura? Is it no? Uh, I think it's Leora Mormont. Leora Mormont. Thank you. Or Liana. Liana. Liana Mormont. Yeah. Something Mormont. Uh, but yeah. So even though like I knew what was happening, it really worked for me because I think the way the game does it is so well done. I think the show trying to mimic that was the right choice in this moment, at least. Because I think one of the most harrowing things I remember playing that scene was her scream when like he tries to lift her. Like, mm. the pain that she's feeling in that moment. All he wants to do is try to save her. But, like, if anything, is causing more harm to her. I remember watching this and there's just that moment where it pans away and then it pans back and she's just lifeless. And that really struck an emotion for me. Even though I knew it was going to happen, re-watching it, it was hard. Oh, yeah. I mean, Pedro Pascal for sure sells that in that moment. He's good at what he does. So I was definitely impressed with the performances, at least. So now we jump forward 20 years, which is, like I said, exactly like the game. So I love that we get to seek an inciting moment of this infection, but we don't really get to live with it too long, right? We jumped 20 years and like 20 years is a long time. There are like kids that have been born post-apocalypse. There are plenty of people that remember living before this, but then to live in this world for 20 years is you're not at the beginnings of it. You're in it now, right? You really lived in it. And I thought that was a wise choice for the game. And I think it's cool to see the world and perspective of this other kid. This is different from the games too. There's no kid that just wanders into Boston and... Okay, great addition, by the way. I fucking yes. love this. Mm-hmm. Dark as fuck, man. This kid is shambling into like the quarantine zone. And is it a boy or girl? I can't really tell. Honestly, you can't tell. And not that it doesn't matter, but like it's really not a... It, yeah, like yeah, I've heard yeah, some yeah. people think it's a girl, some people think it's a boy. So Yeah, I mean... Uh, they're picked up by the quarantine zone authority. So I guess it's Fedra, right? Yes, they're called Fedra. Fedra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they 
pick this kid up, comforting the kid. They're like, oh, we're going to give you some medicine. You're going to be all right. And we're going to give you all the toys that you can play with later. And then they inject the kid with, I guess it's a sedative because they test the kid for an infection and the screen comes up red and you're like, okay, well, I don't know how the test works, but I feel like a red screen can't be fucking good, <laughs> good right? for this kid. No, red um, means stop. Don't kill him. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next scene is just an introduction of Joel's post-apocalyptic character, right? This is a great introduction because his first act post-Sarah's death is just to be like, fuck them kids, right? Dump that kid into the fire. Yeah. When that other volunteer can't bring herself to... Because they're, like, disposing of, like, the infected bodies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they're not dead, right? I feel like it's just a sedative and they dump them in the fire. Or are they no, euthanized? No, no. no? I okay. think they're euthanized. I'm euthanized? Assuming, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like people would not be cool with, like, let's dump living people into fire. Like, <laughs> how did you get normal people to do that? It's a post-apocalyptic society, but it's, like, a somewhat functional society, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's not just, somewhat, like, yeah. <laughs> rabid cannibals running around or something. Like, there's work details and jobs and, like, you know. Yeah. There's, I guess, a new kind of currency, right? These tickets or whatever that they have. Yeah. yeah so yeah. before we move on too quick, I just wanted to jump back a little bit. Does Joel seem like meaningfully older after 20 years? Okay. So this is what I was talking to Ashley about while we were watching. And all right. Well, if Joel's like 40 in 2003, and then this is 20 years later, is he going to look like he's 60? But, like, they did a pretty good job aging him up. I think his, like, weathered wrinkles and his gray hair, they did a great job with, like, the makeup and stuff to make him look considerably older. Yeah. Um, What did you guys think? Um, I think he does look considerably older. I don't know that he's supposed to be 40 and 03, though, right? He could be. He says know, he's 36. Oh, does he? Oh, I, don't, I forget him saying that. Okay. Okay. So then he's, yeah, he's, so he's, he is nearly 60. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, they do a good job aging him up. I, it, it still does give me Matt Smith on House of the Dragon vibes. Like, or he doesn't age. Through three time jumps. Come on, man. It's, it's a little bit like that. But no, he does look older. I do see they put in the effort. So A for effort, at least. Like for me, it was more like, okay, we'll put in a little bit of graying and the wrinkles so that he looks closer to 56. But he looks closer to 56 in 2023. But when he said he was 36 in 2003, I was like, okay, that's a little bit of a stretch to me. Uh, I felt like he was a little bit older than that. But That's our age. <laughs> yeah, right? So I was like, yeah, I don't really believe that. But it's fine. But yeah, I really love this opening scene because one, it's not in the games. But I think... One of my critiques of this episode is that I do think it has some really clunky exposition later in the episode, especially with the whole Firefly stuff and like Fedra and what's going to happen with Ellie and everything. Oh, really? Yeah, I felt it was a little clunky a little bit later. But what I really liked about this scene was that it showed us a lot without really having someone like talk us through it too much. The showing of the scanner, we know red means bad, that plays in later in the episode. I like the graphics, you know, the signs on the wall telling us like, hey, if you're bitten here, you know, you're going to get infected in this time. I picked up on that too, yeah. Yeah, so like I think all those little bits of world building and like exposition really helped and was really effective in this scene. I mean, it's super cold when the Fedra officer sees the red and then just straight up lies to this kid. Oh, we're going to get you great food. We're going to get you a toy. We're going to give you some medicine. And then it's this really cold hearted, you're about to die and someone's going to throw your body in a fire, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, it could be a little bit more inhumane in the sense that they could have just shot him on sight or whatever and like not cared, not given that speech. But 
it's still, this is the world we live in now, right? Mm -hmm. Just because he's a kid doesn't mean he gets to skate by. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that first scene a lot. So I'm curious as to which parts you thought were clunky, because I thought a lot of this stuff, to the show's credit, the narrative economy of like introducing all these different pieces of this post-apocalyptic world was pretty good. It was pretty Mm -hmm. efficient in like establishing like the dynamics and like what each character is like, how Joel has changed. The introduction of Anna Torv's test character, you instantly know what type of character she is. Not only she is, but mm-hmm. Joel is too, right? Yes. Because yeah. they work together and they're partners. And what's that guy's name? That guy's name is Robert. Robert. Right? Robert. Yeah. yeah. He's like terrified of them, and especially Joel, right? Mm-hmm. So like you know like the reputation of being, I don't know, cold hearted and gets the shit done and maybe a little merciless. I absolutely agree with the Tess Joel stuff. You know, we jumped 20 years forward and you have to understand who Joel is now. And like, I mm. think that was a great way to see who he is now. I think for me, it was a lot of the introduction to the Fireflies and being like the Fedra are this military dictatorship and we're the rebellion against them. I think because there's so much lore in the games that you have to find out for yourself. I think them trying to jam pack it all into like just Marlene telling her subordinate who should understand who they are already. You know what I mean? Like it's a little heavy handed. So that's like the thing that kind of sucks, right? Because I feel like in the game, that's information that you uncover organically by yourself. Yes. Mm -hmm. But here you're just railroaded into this information. And there's no exploration or discovery. Yeah. And Derek, when you were saying earlier, like, well, it's for people who like never wanted to play the game and like they can finally experience the story without playing a video game right Mm -hmm. but then like they're not really doing anything with the zombie lore and like post-apocalyptic stuff that we've never seen before like it's all stuff that's been done to death i feel like what's special is that it's a video game i want to be the one who's killing the fucking fungus zombies i want to be the one who's protecting ellie i want to be the one who's controlling ellie doing all these things and i just feel like You're just being kind of spoon-fed information. The rebellion stuff isn't really that interesting just because it's stuff that we've all seen before. The special part is that it's a video game and you get to play it. So I don't know. That's just And I'm really curious if we continue this journey or if if we come back to this series and if we do talk about this again. I am interested to see like as further we go along if your perspective changes a little bit because I think... If you've never seen the game, they are going to do some pretty different stuff with at least the infected in this. Like, I think there's mm. some really clever stuff coming that hopefully you'll really like. And anyone who's never seen the game will have never seen something like that or like think that that's really cool. Because I honestly think it's really cool. And I'm really looking forward to seeing it in like live action. Yeah. I hope so. But also, like, I think this game is a lot about relationships. And, like, I hope over time you'll forget about playing the game versus the relationships become the more important aspect of why you're watching the show. Mm -hmm. Again, that's why I played the game was to get to the points where I saw the relationship building between these characters. Not necessarily, like, I want to be the one that kills the zombies. I just want to get to the point where why is Ellie like this? Or why is Joel like this? How do they become closer? Uh, I mean, we haven't really gotten there yet. But when we meet Ellie and Joel in this episode, they're very not on the same page yet. She Mm. is just cargo to him. And he is this annoying person that threw her against the wall, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of this first episode takes the game, really condenses the first part of the game, right? I... I actually like the choice that they make at the end of the episode where Robert and his men and the Fireflies have killed each other already. The first part of the game, you are hunting Robert. You're the one who actually goes after Robert and you're the one who actually kills Robert. Oh, interesting. In the game. 
So, like, I think the narrative condensing, I think, was a little bit smarter for me. I'm not sure if I agree with that. Okay. I think... So, in the game, do you kill Robert? Yes. Or Tess kills Robert. Tess kills Robert. I think having them catch up with Robert and him already being dead kind of fucking takes the teeth away from the characters a little bit. Feels like a cop-out, because, like... Mm -hmm. They built up that relationship in the beginning where Robert's terrified of them. I want to see them follow through on that, especially in the beginning mm. of the show when yeah. you're establishing these characters. Who and they like, are. You haven't introduced like the softer aspects to these characters yet. I want to see like Tess and Joel's like brutality and like their mercilessness in their smuggling operation. You know, I totally get that. That is a moment in the game where you hunt him down, you go yeah. after his guys and kill a bunch of his guys, and I think. The only reason I think they changed it was because I think the first person you should see him kill after 2023, you know, the transition 23, is that guard, right? And like uh-huh. it makes that moment stronger when he flashes back to the moment when Sarah is shot. And I think mm-hmm. that's why they changed it, where it becomes so unceremoniously. There was a gunfight here that we didn't even get to see. Interesting. I didn't read Joel and Tess as they were going to go on a murder spree and kill this guy's whole gang in order to get to him and kill him too. Like, I don't know. I didn't read them as those sort of characters. Like, it sounded like they were just going to fuck him up a little. It totally fits with my conception of the characters that the show presents them that... Yeah, because she says, I really want you to hurt him. He doesn't say, like, let's go kill the dude. Right. Just say, let's eliminate him. You know? So, like, I didn't read them as brutally as Jeff, I think, expected them to be. So I wasn't thrown by the fact that they don't get the chance to murder Robert. Maybe I paid too much attention to Robert, like, shaking his boots in his first introduction. Yeah, no, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think he's probably just scared to get fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. No one wants to get beat the fuck up. I mean, to that point, I was a little surprised that Robert and his gang were trouble for the Fireflies. Like, I thought the Fireflies were a paramilitary organization trying to start a revolution, and Robert's just, like, a doofus, you know, like, Mm. couldn't shoot straight. So, like, that's actually what was a little bit, like, incongruous to me. Mm. So, I mean, okay. So, to give a little bit more backstory, I think FEDRA, right? FEDRA stands for Federal Disaster Response Agency, right? They're this post-disaster military dictatorship that basically took over the world, in a sense, or at least America, and, like, created these, like, quarantine zones, right? Militarized quarantine zones. And that's where we're in, right? We're in Boston's quarantine zone. And it's very much controlled by them, right? They control the jobs. They control anyone going in and out of the quarantine zone. They're kind of judge, jury, executioner, right? The Fireflies are kind of this rebellious group that formed very early on in the the early years of the infection. Fedra established themselves also very early on in the post-apocalyptic world. A lot of these zones are taking away people's freedoms and killing them at will or without the same kind of judicious system that we had in the past. So like, I mean, the Fireflies formed to fight that and like grant themselves freedom and democracy like they remembered. You also have to remember this is 20 years later, and they're not the same power they might have been like years before. The Fireflies or Federal? The Fireflies. Sorry, the Fireflies. Okay. In the episode, Marlene's like, uh, we're kind of fucking struggling here. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're really not yeah. doing well as a rebellion. Well, I mean, Fedra's corrupt as shit, right? Like, you can yes. tell with all the guards with the bribery and hoarding of the resources, they're not painted exactly as the saviors of humanity or whatever. So I feel like you're supposed to view the Fireflies as like a more sympathetic light, right? 
So we have this hallway scene where this is after the firefight, right? This is probably the inciting incident for the game. The moment where Ellie meets Joel, right? And Joel meets Ellie. Marlene is trying to sneak her out because we find out by the end of the episode is that she's been bitten, but she hasn't turned yet. I mean, if you're reading into it, no one's outright said it yet, but like it's kind of presumed that she's potentially immune. So they're trying to sneak her out of the city. And I can't remember if they say it in the show or if it's just my own knowledge. The Fireflies, part of their job early on in this post-apocalyptic world was they were also trying to find a cure. I don't think they mentioned that in the episode. Okay. One change that they did make from the games is that the first time we meet Ellie in the games is when they have this confrontation where Marlene meets Joel and Tess, and she brings Ellie. But in the show, it's very different, right? We meet Ellie very early on. Like, she's chained up in this room. She has really funny moments where she's told to count to 10, and she's like, fuck you. Her just spunk and sparkiness, I think, that she has, and, like, uh, her tenacity is pretty in line with the Ellie that we know from the games. I'm curious what you guys think of Ellie so far. She brings a very Liana Mormont energy to Ellie. Um, mm-hmm. this is definitely like, <laughs> yes. Like you said, a feisty, spunky young girl. And they do let you see how smart Ellie is, you know? Yes. Figuring out Joel's code mm-hmm. is a great example. She's uh, obviously someone that I think you're meant to like from the start. You do. She's a very like likable character, right? She's put in this fucked up situation. You immediately feel for her. And she endears herself to you. I think Bella Ramsey does a great job. I think it's smart of them to introduce her a little earlier than her first meeting with Joel in the game. Mm-hmm. Just to get a sense of her character and her temperament before she's paired up in the show's main pairing, I'm assuming, right? So mm-hmm. like to have that little interaction with Marlene and like get that foundation of the character up and running before she meets Joel, I think it's smart. I think it's a smart change that yeah, I do too. Uh, they make. Because if you imagine, like, if we only met her in that hallway, like, you would not see her character for, like, almost, like, 50, 60 minutes, right? It would have been a really long moment until you actually met Ellie. Like, I think it was smarter to meet her. A yeah, and then early. they're hitting the road, right? So, like, it's smart to introduce that character and give her a little bit of a moment to breathe. Speaking of Marlene, sorry, just real quick, is this actress also plays her in the game somehow? Is yes, 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 it is. Her name is Merle Danbridge. She is the exact same actress who voiced Marlene in the game. I don't want to spoil anything, but you know, I don't want to say like if other voice actors from the game are going to show up in the show. But she right now is the only holdover from the video game, right? Like most people have been recasted. They're not the same voice actors. I wonder if any of the other actors are a little mad that <laughs> she got to reprise and they didn't. Yeah. Because I know like Troy Baker is primarily a voice actor mm-hmm. and like so is Ashley Johnson, but... Annie Wershing is an actress. She played a Renee on 24, remember her? Mm-hmm. Uh, who does Annie Wershing play in, in the game? Tess. Oh, interesting. They totally could have used her. They Tess. totally could have used her. But I mean, I love Anna Torv too. So I'm glad they got Anna Torv, But Is Anna Torv just a better actress than Annie Wershing? I'm very partial to Anna Torv. I feel like she's got the monopoly on dystopian Boston now with a <laughs> fringe and now this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say that if you know this story, I mean, our leads are supposed to be like Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey, but honestly, she is the MVP of this premiere for me. Like I was so entranced by her performance because it's- Who, Anna Torv? Yeah, Anna Torv, yeah, I think yeah, is just spectacular good. in this. And, like, and she is 
a great Tess. I think the, you know, the original actress in the game is great too. Like Tess is a very memorable character in the game. And honestly, Anna Torv is living up to that. Like she was definitely my MVP for this episode. I really, really loved her as Tess. Is she a faithful adaptation? Yeah, because Tess is hardened. She's tough in the game. She's the one who pulls the trigger on Robert. Very much like in the game, she's already been beaten up. She can take a beating. She's very much the same. I think what was different is that in the game, you don't play in the perspective of Tess, right? So we don't get to see the point where she gets interrogated like by Robert. I thought that was a great addition to this episode, right? Talking her way out of that situation, knowing that she's being held captive and then the explosion that happens. I thought that was a really great scene. She's great in Mindhunter too. Mm-hmm. Just going back to something you said, Amir, I also caught that, you know, and I wrote in my notes, Ellie is very smart. The breaking down of the cipher, that's not in the game. I thought that was a really cool touch to kind of show how smart she is, but then also hint at some characters that we might meet in the future, right? Bill and Frank. So just kind of remember those names. So we're getting near the end of the episode. We're getting to the portion where they sneak out of the quarantine zone. They're sneaking through tubes and tunnels and very reminiscent of the game. But then also very reminiscent in the game is that they also run into a guard before they can get to safety. And very much like in the game, you know, they're brought to their knees, the guard scans them. And it is right before you see the results, uh, Ellie stabs one of the guards in the leg and they take him down. And again, uh, there's actually two guards in the game, like Tess shoots one and then Joel kills the other. This is very different, right? Like we meet this guard early on in the game, you know, the one that Jeff, you mentioned they're doing the drug deal and it's the very same guard. It's someone that Joel knows and kind of has, I mean, it's not like the best relationship, but does have a relationship with, right? Mm-hmm. For him to then be in that moment where Ellie, someone he doesn't really know, is put in the same situation as his daughter 20 years ago, he flips, right? Like he flashes back and he beats this guy to death, uh, barehanded. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what you guys thought of that moment. I could do without the flashback. Mm-hmm. A little too obvious for you? All you need is an authority figure with a flashlight and a gun to remind the audience of Sarah's death. You mm-hmm. don't need to flash back to that scene. Yeah. I think it's another case of where show writers don't trust the audience to draw their own parallels between two scenes. I mean, maybe some of us are too dumb to pick up on that, but Mm -hmm. I like to think that most of us are smart enough to draw that parallel, right? I just think it's a little more powerful when you don't hold people's hands to it. But other than that, I think it's a pretty good scene. Good way to end the episode, revealing that Ellie's infected, but that she might be immune. It's an old wound and it's an old bite, and... Both Tess and Joel are horrified, right? Like I said earlier, they established the scanner. So like at this moment, we can understand what it means, right? When we see yeah. the like big red light on the scanner and Tess is freaking out because she's infected and they're trying to smuggle out an infected girl. She's been bitten for three weeks and it's basically healed over. So our understanding from that graphic was that anyone should turn within like 24 or 48 hours if she's telling the truth that she's been good for three weeks, then what does that mean? If they wanted to be consistent, they should have flashed back to the red result from the kid in the first yeah. <laughs> scene, right? <laughs> yeah. The audience says dummies. You got to treat them as dummies on everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Besides the fact that it's really heavy handed with how it's revealing everything. I do like the connection between like... Yeah, it's a good parallel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we talked about this a little bit, but I kind of want to get into this. The daughter, Sarah, in her scene, she's crying. She's very distraught by watching her dad kill somebody. But then Ellie is like happy, right? She's almost Mm -hmm. like excited that, you know, there's this person that's like 
killing in her honor in, in a way. And this is the one thing that as a fan of the game, I'm not too sure if I'm on board yet. Because that's not really the Ellie I know. I think the Ellie from the game, she's curious. She's, again, tenacious and a fighter. She's got that. And like, she cusses a lot like Bella Ramsey does in this episode. But I never got she loves the violence of it all. That's kind of what I'm getting from Bella at this moment. So I'm curious to now see how that plays out later in the series. Because mm. to me, that's definitely different than the games. Or at least how I read the games. Just to end this particular scene, like I think it's a really cool shot when they go out past the fence and then you see the two buildings leaning on top of each other and the lightning flashes and you see the buildings. That's taken straight from the games. It's a really cool image. Is that like the cover of the games or something? I think I've seen that image. I don't remember if it's the cover of the games, but it's definitely an iconic image from the game. And then one final shot that's very different, it doesn't happen in the games, is earlier it was mentioned about the Smuggler's Code and the type of song that they play on the radio, 60 means nothing's in, 70 means there's new stock, but then 80s meaning there's trouble. And at the end of the episode, we see the radio come on and Depeche Mode's Never Let Me Down Again comes on and that's an 80s song. This ominous like, hey, there's trouble coming for our protagonist. I mean, I really like the episode. You know, as a fan of the property, I was happy to see the things play out similar to the show. Some of the things almost exactly the same. Even some of the lines being pulled from the game, I really enjoyed. But I honestly really love the additions. And I try to highlight some of those on the show because I think they are great additions um, to the lore and to help build up this show a little bit more. I mean, I really much enjoyed it as well. I'm a little bit afraid that I might fall off of it, though. Okay. I really enjoyed, for example, the first season of The Walking Dead, but that's not a show I really stuck with. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that The Last of Us has more staying power. I know tons of people love The Walking Dead and they watched it all the way through and it fell off, but like, you know, 10 seasons on or however long. But for me, like, I was pretty much done after the first season. I wasn't getting too much out of it. Not yeah. saying it's a bad adaptation or anything. It just wasn't for me. This is another like post apocalyptic zombie type show that I'm liking a lot up front. I'm hoping that this sticks with me. Yeah. And I think you guys have already mentioned it that this episode, we haven't gotten much of the infected. And honestly, we haven't gotten much action, you know, for like an action game, <laughs> action kind of forward game. We haven't gotten much action. You know, we didn't see the hallway fight. And, you know, there's just like a little bit when we go through that town, right? In the flashback, hopefully the next couple episodes. And my guess is next episode, there will be some action knowing where, this story is going like i'm pretty sure we're gonna get some action next episode so that doesn't bother me and i feel like yeah. we got a pretty decent amount of the infected here in the prologue with the granny with the tendrils coming out of the mouth the zombie already fucking grown into the wall towards yeah, the end yeah, of the episode. that was a yeah. really cool image it's like annihilation-esque yeah it's something like what you get in, in most zombie movies it was really unique yeah huh? it was really yeah. cool yeah the lack of action doesn't bother me i just hope the show gives a better reason for its own existence soon. Wow. I'm not hating on the show. I like the show. I want to see where it goes. It's only the first episode. There's mm -hmm. a lot of promise to it. I just hope that it goes in one direction rather than the other. You know? Yeah. I just don't want to parade a fan service where people's like, oh look at that. I see that from the games, you know? That's all that there is to the show. I want something a little more of substance than that. Which there's a lot of potential for. The performances are there. All the ingredients are there. The production value, the talent behind it. I just hope it coalesces into something that sticks to the ribs. That's what we say on the show, right? <laughs> I 
done my best to try to be as spoiler free in the sense of like, yeah, I know kind of where this story is going. I think a couple of us kind of do. And I try my best not to give away too much. But for anyone that's listening and like enticed and wants to keep watching some advice or whatever you want to call it. And if you don't want to know this, you can tune away now for like next 30 seconds. Like the name Riley is mentioned. Definitely pay attention to that. Bill and Frank are mentioned. Pay attention to that. The idea that he's going out there to find Tommy. There's definitely a lot of stuff that if you know the property, there's a lot of hints in this first episode of where we're going. So yeah, if you want some hints on what you should be paying attention to in the next couple of episodes, like yeah, just keep an eye on those names. How long do you think this show is going to be, Derek? Like, how long do they need to finish the story of The Last of Us? I think this first season, they've already said, and I'm pretty sure that I would do the same thing, is that this first season should be the first game. Like, I think they're going to get to the end of the first game by this first season. Oh, really? That's exciting. Oh, cool. So it's not going to be like, a, you know, you need 10 seasons to get to the end of the game or something. Okay, that's cool. To speak to your point about like The Walking Dead, like I totally agree. I think they drug that on way too long. You know, but the comic, of course, is really, really long and has gone on or did go on forever. So like there was plenty of story. Like here, I think season one is part one, right? The first game. You may be able to do the second game in like two seasons. Is it that much longer? Narratively, it can afford to be two seasons. Interesting. Cool. And then, of course, I think there are rumors that there is potential third game being developed. So if that's true, then maybe that's another season or maybe two, right? Like, this should not be like Game of Thrones. They should not extend this. Like, I think I love when series or when movies decide like, hey, there's going to be a start point and an end point and we shouldn't outstay our welcome. I was just going to say, I, I really hope they do that. Yeah, um, I was very excited by you saying that you think that the first season's going to be the whole first game, because I think it'd be a shame if they stretch this out too much. It's got a strong punch. Um, How many episodes is this first season? I'm assuming 10. I think I read it was nine, actually. So nine, maybe one okay. less than our typical HBO season. It could be 10. I don't know. Do you guys have anything else that you guys wanted to bring up or anything else you guys want to say? No, I think that's it. Okay, well, that will cover this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? Uh, I think I'm going to be looking at that cordyceps clip from online. The fungus comes with the ant's head. I <laughs> <laughs> should all check that one out. <laughs> what about you, Derek? You can find me at the World's Okayest Photos and Screen Agents Guild. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. Uh, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions about our episode on the first episode of HBO's The Last of Us, feel free to shoot us an email. We like getting listener mail. Sometimes we read that on the pod. So if you have any other interesting tidbits about the game, its relationship to the show, feel free to send us an email. And we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.